Hey guys, so before I go into today's episode of the podcast, I just want to make an announcement. So if you are new to the podcast or if you've been listening to the beginning, thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. But I just want to make a special announcement that my first ever book is going to be coming out on the 3rd of December 2021. And The title of the book is The No-Nonsense Approach to Female Fat Loss and this is something that has been brewing for quite a while and it's something that I'm very, very passionate about and inside the book you'll be kind of looking at how to understand your menstrual cycle, how to understand your cravings, when to push your training, when to ease off your training, how to train and eat during your pregnancy and train around it, PCOS, how to understand endometriosis, amenorrhea, which is lack of a cycle. The pill is beneficial. What type of pill is more beneficial? Does it does it impact your sex drive? We talk about perimenopause and menopause, and we talk about thyroid, and there's many other topics that we talk about. So it's fairly in depth. It's going through every single stage uh, that a woman can go through, and it's fairly in depth. A lot of research, a lot of effort's been put into it. So I'm super super excited to announce that the book is available for pre-order through the link in the episode notes and it will be available through the link in my bio on Instagram at Shane Walsh Fitness or if you want to head over to shanewalshfitness.com forward slash pre-order the book and you can get all the details there. It will be available on Amazon from the 3rd of December as well which I'm super super excited for so I hope you guys enjoy the episode, hope you guys enjoy the book. Any questions on the book let me know but I'm super super excited and hope you guys get a copy hey guys and welcome to the next episode of the shane walsh podcast so very very excited for today's episode so i've been trying to get this guest on for a little while our, our diaries keep changing and i'm very very grateful for Catherine's time so today's guest is Catherine o'keefe or at wellness warrior.ie on instagram so Catherine is ireland's first menopause coach and her goal is to understand that every woman's journey through the menopause and perimenopause is completely different very different from hers very different from anyone else's and the need for support the need to manage your stress the need to actually educate knowing that you can't do everything on your own and being able to provide that relevant information and Catherine does amazing talks around the country and has an amazing uh, talk coming up on the 21st of May in 2022 in person in Cork in Ireland and it's on the, the on menopause so if you guys are interested in that please do as uh, she did a wellness warrior so much she did a uh, kind of an online summit a little while ago and some of the, the industry leaders are going to be at that summit in Cork as well so there's tickets available uh, so there's a link in the, the bio if you want to go and get that so some of the topics that we talk about is the difference between perimenopause and menopause why every woman's journey is different we talk about hrt we talk about improving the education we talk about stress management we talk about multitasking is actually not your friend during this time we talk about what's actually driving your menopause and your perimenopause we talk about alcohol to drink or not to drink that is the famous question and we talk about magnesium and it's it's kind of the natural spark plug and how important that is at various different stages but she has seen massive results with her own uh, stage and she's gone through perimenopause herself which she openly talks about so i'm really really excited for you guys to listen to this episode anyone who's a coach nutritionist or whatever it may be please 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 do listen to this please 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 do share it with your friends and if you are listening to this and you are going through perimenopause or menopause there is help for you out there so please do reach out to like Sir Catherine or myself and we can help the book uh, which will be out on the 3rd of December goes through all this kind of relevant information there are other episodes of the podcast on it as well with the likes of Philippa Kay who is the author of the M word we also have done perimenopause and menopause episodes itself so guys I hope you enjoy the episode with Catherine O'Keefe Catherine how are we Great, Shane. How are you? I'm Thanks very for... good, thank you. 
Thanks for having me here today. <laughs> we were talking off air about some. You're you're a busy woman at the minute, and uh, <laughs> I'm very grateful. We're we're having a little bit of a admin issues to try and get Catherine booked in, but we eventually got there. Um, so, Catherine, I'm going to get you to kind of talk us through how you kind of got into the the area of kind of working around menopause and how you kind of got into this field because it is one of those things that's not spoken about until very mm. recently and there's mm. a massive taboo about it unfortunately mm. yeah I guess for me I have a very kind of um convoluted uh journey as to where I got to where I am today but I kind of like to think that's midlife that's kind of you know the journey of life so you know, really, my background was I was um, for years, I was working in investment banking um, and I have a primary degree um, from Trinity in business. Um, so worked in investment banking for years, had three kids, hectic, 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 and then perimenopause hit. And before that happened, I had gone back to college um, uh, over four years and I went back and I studied natural medicine. I always kind of had a great love of health and wellness, you know, and then, of course, perimenopause. So when it hit for me, I mean, I was very lucky, Shane. I had I had an understanding of what was happening. I kind of knew um what to expect and I knew what to expect on a deeper level I guess than the surface hot flushes night sweats etc but what I did find was perimenopause and my job weren't working and I was a director at the the stage and within uh, an American investment bank and I had three young kids and it was tough you know let's be honest you know it was just difficult and I guess I was very fortunate um at the time to have the opportunity to take voluntary redundancy, um, which I jumped at. And I had finished um, um, my second degree in training. And then I kind of, I just took a year or so out with the kids and just kind of, I'd worked flat out for over 23, 24 years in banking. So there was an element of burnout there, you know. So I took a year or so and just really kind of um you know just took time with the kids or whatever I would say in hindsight I would say it took me that year to come down to decompress from the hecticness of my life you know and I think it gave my body a great opportunity to also prepare itself for perimenopause um so really given that I was starting the journey myself you know, I quickly realized, yes, I knew a bit. I didn't know enough. So I really started to concentrate on everything menopause related. So, you know, I did, you know, training courses with British Menopause Society. I just consumed every bit of research I could get my hands on. Um, I started writing a lot of blogs and just everything kind of snowballed from there. And I think probably you know, one of the things for me was um, I'm from Kilkenny originally. I live in Dublin, but someone asked me whether I'd come down to Kilkenny and um, do a talk. And at the time I was playing around in my head, would I start doing talks? So anyway, I went down to Kilkenny and um, I did a talk down there and the reception was just phenomenal. So from that, I started doing talks all around the country. And um, I just saw firsthand, like you mentioned earlier, women were starved of knowledge. And then when you get together in a room and the camaraderie and the support, 
I mean, that was just, I mean, something beautiful happens. And also very humbling for me, I felt, because you could see, I could see that I was really helping women. Um, and, you know, when you're sitting in a room and I've had many occasions where, you know, after talks like that, you can sit with a woman and, you know, they can start crying with you and just get really upset about the fact they have struggled for many years to get the right support. Um, and it just really went from there. So I kept doing um, a lot of talks uh, around the country. At the same time, I was approached to go into workplaces. And I guess given my background, I was very well placed because, you know, I had managed teams of well over 100. Um, so I very familiar with the kind of the HR side of it, plus also the working environment from any aspect. So, you know, I would talk in retail workplaces to manufacturing, to corporate banking, etc. So I guess my own personal experience and my journey through perimenopause um, obviously has really helped. So I started perimenopause at 44. I'm 51 now and I'm still, <laughs> I'm wow. still, I'm still going through it. Because um, as you know, menopause takes a fair few years. Um, so everything, you know, I keep learning and uh, everything new I learn, I try and share as much as possible. And it's either I'm learning it because of what I experience or I'm very privileged that I learn it from the, the many women that I work with, you know. So it's it's been an amazing, amazing journey, I have to say. Um, yes, there's been bumps, <laughs> as is life. But, you know, um, I've met some, you know, amazing, amazing people along the way. It's amazing that you kind of like, I, I kind of compare kind of perimenopause as the next chapter in, in a woman's life. And you took that as an opportunity to create a new uh, chapter for your own life in relation to work and how you actually mm. take taking a step back. Because as we know, with menopause and stuff like that, there's a lot of kind of like anxiety can be can be very, very rife. Stress management is a big thing as well. But I'm going to the first mm -hmm. thing I'm going to get you to talk about is the difference between perimenopause and actual menopause, because I think there's a little bit of confusion at what yeah. stage they are and yeah. what actually happens with what hormones changes and when they do change. Yeah, I know there's complete confusion. To me, I always say it's all about perimenopause because perimenopause is when the symptoms start to surface. Yeah. And the thing that catches so many of us out is the gradual nature of the, of that surfacing of symptoms. And um, generally, I would say for the majority of women, where you start to see the changes first are on the psychological realm. So just as you mentioned, like, you know, the anxiety, you may never have been anxious before. That was me. I had never been anxious before. Yes, I worried about my kids for various reasons when they were younger and so forth, but I was never an anxious person. And then perimenopause hit. And all of a sudden, I used to get a little bit anxious before meetings at work. And even then the brain fog hit. And I remember, I remember one meeting in particular where literally I was presenting um, figures and stats and whatever. Well, you may as well have opened the window because they just flew out the window. And like we had seniors over from New York. And I remember sitting in that boardroom and I was like, oh, my God, get me out of here. <laughs> you know, so the brain fog. You know, the, the symptoms creep in very slowly. And this is where we get caught out because what happens is it's as they 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 kind of exasperate that then you realize 
hear what what's gone wrong or else maybe your partner or someone in your family says it to you you're off kilter you know what yeah. are you okay so perimenopause is where it all starts it's a bit like you know think about the calm water and then you've got these ripples start to come through before the waves so perimenopause is the ripples and for the average woman that starts around the age of 45 but I started at 44. I work with a lot of women who will start around the 43, 44 mark. So I always say, ditch the averages. They're just there to yeah. guide you. I've even seen younger as well. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I do a lot of work with early menopause, which unfortunately is a growing area. Yeah. And I mean, you know, so menopause can happen from as young as 13. So, you know, that's a whole other area but um when we look at perimenopause you know the average is 45 but many women the gradual little ripples of those symptoms will start beforehand and then that's a few years before you actually get to menopause and menopause itself is simply the anniversary of 12 months without a monthly cycle and you know again the average age is 51 i'm 51 I still have monthly cycles. Well, not monthly, but you know, they're yeah. you know, they're they're regular enough. So again, you know, they you we don't all fit within the average. And what happens then is that from once you hit that 12-year mark, like uh, if I brought you to Guatemala, they throw a party. They think it's the best thing ever, which I think I love that idea. They go into menopause a lot younger than us. Um, but you know, then what happens is you might have uh, you might have one or two other cycles or you may never have another one again. Um, and then you're kind of into a one-two period before really you can say you're done and it's post-menopause. And post-menopause isn't a chapter, it's the rest of our lives. But I think what's really, really important and I do think there's much more understanding coming now around perimenopause is the fact that, you know, menopause, it's not just about the period stopping. A lot more happens. Yeah. So as we start into perimenopause, this is where the hormones start to fluctuate and change. And the three primary hormones you're talking about are progesterone, estrogen and testosterone as well. Um, progesterone for many tends to be the one that starts that little decline in the early perimenopause years, hence why the psychological and um, the emotional yeah, aspect. It's, it's kind of like your chill out hormone. It's kind of like your exactly, your calming, nurturing yeah. hormone. Um, so, you know, and then and then estrogen starts to fluctuate. Um, but you can have periods in your um, in your perimenopause years. You can have times in your perimenopause years where estrogen is dominant, you know, where estrogen just becomes the main player. And that can cause issues, too. You know, so it's really kind of understanding there's three key hormones at play here. And for all of us, the changes that happen in their levels are going to impact us differently. Like um, I have never yet had a hot flush. So uh, I'll be posting it all over social media when I do have one. <laughs> but, but, you know, that's the thing. Like everyone thinks, oh, God, hot flushes, night sweats. But I'm always saying there's so much more to it. And it doesn't mean that we all have to suffer the hot flushes or night sweats. Every person's journey through menopause is going to be unique and different. So it's really important to realize that your best friend, your sister, your mother, 
is going to have a different experience to you. Yes, there might be similarities, but they are going to be different because you're different people, you know, which is which is one of the big challenges I think that we do face with menopause is the uniqueness of each journey, which is beautiful in a way, but just does make it that little bit more difficult. So a really good example of that is, you know, I could talk to two women uh, um, in one day who are basically starting HRT. One of them after two weeks could be doing fabulously and the other one could be doing not so well, you know, because maybe the form of HRT doesn't suit her. Maybe the dosage yeah. doesn't suit her. Maybe she's more sensitive to it. So it's really just it's not one size fits all when it comes to any aspect of menopause. And as Shane, as you know, menopause is very complex. There's, you know, there's a lot there's, there's a lot of balls in the court. <laughs> there is big time, big time, big time. Uh, you mentioned the the HRT, mm, and mm. I think HRT for a very long time got a very bad rep in the media. Yeah, I think the yeah. media has a lot to play with what we oh. believe as a society, mm. to, like mm. and that's shown during COVID with the way things are going, and it's also shown with like silly diets. People are pro, uh, kind of yeah. going, this is the quickest yeah. fix. This is the best yeah. thing to do. Oh yeah, yeah. In relation, like you you put up a post a little while ago, like HRT is the tide actually changing on this? And like in relation to is it beneficial and who who should or who shouldn't kind of go for it? Like obviously it's the woman's yeah. choice, it's the family choice, so whatever it may be. And that's the big caveat. It has yeah. to be the woman's choice. Totally. And and plus also it's going a, a large part, you know, a big part of the conversation is the conversation with your GP, who ideally is informed and up to date on menopause, but it's also about your personal medical history it has to be taken into yeah. account. Yours just yours you know it's not to say there's a you know um, when we look at the breast cancer side of it um, there's so many different schools of thought and opinions in relation to if a family member had breast cancer and so it's really important that you are very well informed and educated in relation to the benefits and the risks of HRT but one of the things I think that's really important is I think you know, first off, we're not on, um, there's, there's no movement, there's no doctor, there's no consultant, as far as I'm aware, saying that the end result is that every woman should be on HRT. I don't think that's, that's not the trajectory we want to go on. However, there definitely is um, um, a percentage of women and roughly you can say a third of women most definitely will need HRT because the symptoms severely are, are impacting their life. And that's where it's really important to have the conversation with your GP. But one of the biggest things to, to be aware of with HRT is that there's many different forms. And as you mentioned, like the, the, the media, in a way, I mean, you know, there was so much over sensationalization of incorrect data that happened in the early two, 2000s that we know has now been proven to be incorrect around different studies that were done and so forth. So I think now I do think it has come around in terms of there's much more positive um, um, media coverage. But, you know, you still anything in the media, you've got to be careful, as in you still have got to make your own personal judgment and choice when it comes to anything, you know, be it HRT or whatever. So I think we've got to be aware that, you know, some media publications that may have were out there in relation to HRT definitely went on the wave 
of um, this crescendo that happened in relation to, oh, my God, don't take HRT, it will kill you, basically is kind of what it was saying or, you know, how it all came about. So I think really it's very important to understand the HRT forms that are now available are vastly different to what they were uh, 15 to 20, even probably 10 years ago. And they're changing on a fast basis, like the spray of... um, the spray only became available in Ireland, I think, probably about a year ago. I have heard there's another form um, being worked on at the moment that I believe we should probably see coming in 2022. So the forms are going to continuously change and the ingredients in those forms, I can only imagine, given research and so forth, are going to be even more fine tuned as the years go on. So what you're putting into your body, whether it's HRT, food, whatever it is, it's really important to understand what's going in. But we also know when it comes to HRT, the preference, um, uh, you know, based with the caveat, it has to be based on your personal medical uh, history, is for transdermal options, which basically means there it's absorbed through the skin. And that's like yeah. your gel, your patch, your spray, or local or topical estrogen. Um, you know, so it's really very very important to in to be comfortable with your decisions and I think you know often you'll hear oh I had to cave in I had to go on HRT and I hate that because that's not the case and sometimes I think we just have to be my whole reason d'etre is we have one life Shane and we've got to live the, live it the best way whatever that takes and that's where I just think you know for some women yes they will need HRT for others it may be contraindicated for others they simply may not need it so you've got to kind of balance it out in terms of what works for you and always just bring it back to your journey and just make an informed choice. I think what you said at the very beginning is a hugely important sentence is like knowing your options and being mm. able to say mm. to go to the doctor mm. and present right this is my actual medical history this is what I've struggled with before with my cycle this is like this breast cancer or whatever maybe yeah. in the family and being able to to kind of like almost kind of be able to give like a presentation or a slideshow to the doctor beforehand <laughs> yeah. and then the doctor being able to say well this is your various options go away, yeah. make an educated choice and yeah. then your choice. And it's about finding that right relationship because I think some for some for some reason, I think it's just the education system. Maybe the doctors will look at the symptoms. They may not treat the case overall, but mm-hmm. they may not hone in enough on what's actually going on with the actual woman that's being present. They'll be like, well, here's a quick fix. Perfect example is like someone comes to, to me with HA or hypothetic amenorrhea. I've had them go to doctors and spend a fortune with doctors and say right here's the pill it's like that's not the solution mm-hmm. it's kind of like mm-hmm. it has to be woman dependent you need to educate the, the woman and the person that's sitting in front of you rather than saying right here's a plaster for a broken arm yeah that's yeah, that's, yeah. that's the that's the yeah. big thing yeah and i think i think one of the things that i would say because you know um i get emails I, on this on a regular basis where where a woman goes in to sit down with her GP and where you've done it even a little bit of work beforehand, you change the trajectory of that conversation. Because if you go in there and you're able to hold your own and you're able to kind of, they say, well, here's an option, this tablet. Well, you might be able to say, well, can we talk about transdermals? 
Or you might be able to say, you know, I have vaginal atrophy, I have vaginal dryness, can we talk about local estrogen? You know, if you have that, even just some chinks of knowledge, it will make for a different playing field with your GP. And the one most important thing I would say is this is your health. And it is really important to be empowered, take the take the control into your own hands. And it is you have to be guided by your body, your intuition, not by what somebody else is telling you. Yes, you can get guidance. It's very, very important. But you know your body better than anybody. So you can explain, you know, this is what's happening. You know, I'm having, let's say, for example, you're having anxiety. Maybe your mood is low. Maybe you're just not feeling yourself. And maybe your periods have gone out by, say, one day or something. But you've no hot flushes and you've no night sweats. You don't want your GP to prescribe antidepressants. This is where you want to move into the realm of having conversation around hormone um, therapy, unless for some reason there's anything else that might indicate depression. But unfortunately, we have a checkered history of antidepressants being given, like the plaster you mentioned. So it's really important that, you know, antidepressants are not the answer for menopause unless for some reason, men are sorry, for some reason, HRT is contraindicated and sometimes some antidepressants and non-hormonal medications can help some of the symptoms of menopause, particularly the vasomotor symptoms. So the night flushes, the hot sweats, or the sorry, the hot flushes and the night sweats, etc. But I, I just think being informed is really, really important. I got an email, I think it was only last night from this uh, woman um, who I've met uh, last week in Mead I was doing a talk out there and she basically said she'd been to her GP yesterday and she said the information that I've given her given them last Thursday she just said it completely changed the whole experience she said it was literally like you know her GP was female she was older she said it was literally like she sat up and she thought okay she knows what she's talking about so this is a different conversation. So she came away with what she wanted. And I think that's where it's really important. This is your health. It's it's you have to be responsible and make sure you get the attention that you need. A lot of women, unfortunately, will say that they feel, you know, their GPs maybe aren't experienced enough or aren't up to date enough in relation to training on menopause. Now, we know when it comes to the training that's given in colleges in relation to menopause, it's not enough. They don't get enough training. It's not in-depth enough. And that is something that has been flagged to the government. um, And it is something that has been raised. We also know we want more training for GPs around the country. Um, That is happening. Dr. Deirdre Lundy, who trains many of our GPs in Ireland, she trained 600 GPs um, about two months ago. So more of that is going to start happening. We know that there's been a huge increase in Irish GPs who've joined the British Menopause Society. And that's a really positive thing because we need them to have the latest up-to-date information that's coming. You know, so the changes are happening it is just in some cases, I think they're happening fast. Like last week, um, I got a message uh, to say from uh, a GP I know in Waterford that two new GPs had opened up with specialist menopause um, sessions or days or something in their clinics. So 
It is changing. And in some ways, I kind of think, God, it's changing fast. And then other days you get frustrated and you think it's not changing fast enough. But, you know, it, the wheels of change are churning. You know, it's just going to, it will still take time, but it's happening. I think that the movement is definitely happening. I think it's like, mm. like yourself, I think there's Philip McKay over in the UK and stuff, putting out amazing yeah. information. And Lara Bryden has a, has a book on Oh, Lara, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah Diane Danzabrink as well does huge yeah, uh, work in the UK. Yeah, there's a lot of people UK. doing it. Um, yeah. and I think it's 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 a it's a credit because it, it can be a very very difficult chapter to manage and, and, and like it's also you realize that life starts after menopause for many women because the insecurities that have potentially been there through the anxiety or through the kind of like with cycles and stuff like that because obviously every single woman has a different cycle and every single mm-hmm. woman's unique and as you alluded to earlier it's like that can be the the difficult part as well like no one really understands me but then what you've said very early on was there is support groups out there. There is the communication. Like if you're if you're sharing your problem, someone else might be saying, hang on, I'm actually feeling this as well. And you can yeah. share notes. You can say, well, how, how have you heard this book yeah. may help or the doctor mm. may help as well. Mm. And I think I think one important thing I would really say, like, look, the menopause journey can go from four to 12 years, right? Four to 12 years. Do you want to be struggling for four to 12 years? No way. I want to, I want to live my best life. So um, for me, I, I, I'm very lucky. I know I'm, I'm, I'm really blessed that I can pull on all my knowledge and my own tools, but I like to share as much of that as I can with women because, you know, four to 12 years, like we can't be miserable. We've got to, once you get a handle on your symptoms, this is a time in your life when you come into your own. I, so firmly believe that because I guess I like, you know, I've done it. Um, you know, you, you do go through um, periods where, yes, you may be a little bit more anxious. You may not be as confident. You may be, you know, totally bowled over by hot flushes and, you know, different symptoms. But once you get a handle on those symptoms, This is a time in your life where you are set to fly. Now, there's a lot of caveats to that versus, you know, getting getting your, I always say your personal toolkit together because there you get a handle on your symptoms. But it's also kind of like, you know, you mentioned stress management earlier, massive trigger for so many of the menopause symptoms. And if we look at, um, if we look at the average woman in menopause for natural menopause, the average woman is in the sandwich years. You may have aging children, you may have aging parents, and then you've got life, work, all of this stuff going on. And then you sprinkle menopause in on top. So this is where the stress, if you're not managing stress, can really exasperate and make the experience much more challenging. So I guess my goal, my passion is to really try and help women um, understand and find what are their tools that will support them so that this becomes a time in their life that they enjoy not a time that is dread or a time that's fear more a time that they can really come into their own because I'm sure you've heard this Shane you know you know any woman who's kind of in the menopause or heading towards the menopause um, uh, stage this is a time when you are so comfortable saying no. <laughs> You're no longer the people pleaser. You yeah. really just become that, hang on, hang on. I have looked after loads of other people. I have not put myself first. 
for X number of years. And the body literally is kind of telling you, right, you need to put yourself first, because if you don't, I'm going to keep throwing up these symptoms. I'm going to keep making life difficult for you. You've got to listen to what's going on in your body and how you then support it is completely up to you. And, you know, that can be HRT, acupuncture. Oh, there's so many ways you can support yourself. And for many women, it's not one thing. It's a mix of different things. So, you know, it's really just having the knowledge is really key because to me that just, you know, really just sets you up to fly in these years. Um, I, I, I love that, that I kind of just set you fly. And one of the things you spoke about there was relation to stress management. Have you got mm-hmm. kind of like the top three things kind of quick fire that you kind of use yourself to stress management because as, as um, a, a very, very busy woman yeah. yourself, um, <laughs> what are the top three things that you use on your, for yourself? Um, I would say number one, wherever you are, if you get a moment of stress, a moment of anxiety, what's the one thing that's always with you is your breath. Um, so I generally at some part of the day, either the start of my day or even lunchtime or, you know, um, this morning um, I was lucky enough. I got to get out to the park. I went for a walk and um, with a friend of mine because connection is really important. But before that, I did 10 minutes of meditation. So if you can and I that is including my breath work. But if I have an anxious moment or anything strikes, the first thing I look at is my breath. I will literally, if I can sit down, I will sit down. Or if it's just standing still, I will concentrate on my breath. And that's not deep breathing through my chest. That's belly breathing. I put my hands on my belly and I really try and make sure my breaths are going deep. So the very first thing I would say is you're never alone. Your breath is always there to support you. So always go and, you know, breathe as much as you can. If you can, if you can, you know, the most important thing, not for man, for many different reasons, for stress management, but for long term future proofing of your brain is meditation. So, you know, some days I can do 15 minutes, 20 minutes, other days it's five. You know, today I think I did 10 or 12. It really just depends, but however it looks for you, it's not that you have to be Buddha sitting on a mountain. It might be, you know, it might be that you're just sitting looking out in the garden, but you're being very present and thinking of your breath. Or it's just being present, but it gives our brains a rest. Our brains are, they're on the go the whole time. So to me, meditation is when I literally, I, it's like you wipe the whiteboard clear on your brain. And I just give it a complete break, complete break. So meditation is, is for me, is a really important tool of kind of stress management. And the other thing, the third one, I mean, I could go on. <laughs> but the, the third thing I would really just say really important for stress management, for support and menopause is support. Um, it's keeping connected with other people like menopause if you're struggling um, and particularly if you're experiencing any bit of social anxiety can be extremely lonely so it's really important to reach out and connect with people because even by just simply walking alongside a friend or maybe talking to a friend or a partner your family about how you're feeling it will help You'll never feel bad after talking to a tr- to someone you trust. You'll never feel bad. It's just like exercise, Shane. You know yourself. 
no one ever regrets exercise. I never regret a run. You'll always feel better after. It's the same with sharing, but having support and however that looks for you is um, fundamental in, in succeeding through menopause. It really, really is. And I would just say, whatever stress management looks for you, put it as a top priority because I see so many women every single day where stress is exasperating their symptoms. And many of those women have done it all. They're on HRT, they're doing acupuncture, they're taking supplements, but they are still struggling because they've got ongoing chronic stress in their life. So it's really important to look at what aspects of your life are stressful and be honest with yourself and then look at what can you do? How can you support yourself better? You know, maybe, I don't know, it can be simple things. Maybe you just need to make the effort to get out for that walk every day. Maybe it's that you reduce the screen time at nighttime. Maybe you go to bed earlier. Maybe, you know, you get help when it comes to things at home, putting washes on, doing dinners. But it's, I can't, I, I honestly stress I, I just Shane, it's it's such a big issue. And for me, I I work a lot also on future proofing women's health. So I see the detrimental impact that stress has on us long term. So we know unfortunately two out of three dementia and Alzheimer patients are women. We know that stress is one of those factors that we've got to take into account in protecting our cognitive function for the future years. So yeah, that's my tuppence on stress. No, but I think there's, there's so much there. And I think one of the things was like breathing is one of the things that we do have control of. And yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Even if it's like if you're in the car and you've just dropped the kids off to school or you're you're on the yeah. way to work, you're whatever, just, just in traffic, yeah. take a big deep breath yeah. into your nose, out yeah. through your mouth. And yeah. I guarantee you'll just the tightness in your chest will loosen up. It goes, it goes. And just particularly, I think for a lot of us, yes, we hold a lot around the chest. We hold a huge amount in our belly. Um, yeah. in our stomach Probably, and I think yeah. we we go around with a tenseness in our stomach that we don't actually realise is there those maybe maybe the slight little churning of butterflies an ever so slight flutter but we don't actually realise it's there until maybe we sit we start to breathe through the belly and then we actually realise oh god that's what it feels like when I'm feeling safe I'm feeling okay and I just, you know, I've used it's it's been my my um, it's one of my essential tools. It really has changed so much for me. I would say in my perimenopause journey, just constantly using my breath and meditation. So you know, I, I just it's 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 a gift if you can start doing it. It's a gift to yourself if you can incorporate it. And as I said, look, ten minutes. Put the timer on the phone. Generally, what happens to me? The timer goes off, and I just hit it, and I keep going. <laughs> but unless I have to be out the door or something, but do just put the timer on the phone. You will be surprised how quickly the time goes, and your mind will wander. And that's magic. okay. Yeah, don't start beating yourself up because your mind wanders. Then that becomes a stress. You just gently bring it back, gently bring it back to um, um, to where you're at. One yeah. technique that I use, and it's what I did this morning, and I really find it of great value, is I do a visual in my head. I do a visual countdown. So I might say start at 20. So I have because I work a lot with my flipboard. So 
head. I have 20 on my flipboard, on my thing. And I rub out the zero, in all in my head, all visually. I rub out the zero. I rub out the two. I'm breathing. I'm doing deep breathing. And then I have a little mantra, just a couple of lines that I might say after that. And then I go back and I have 19 on the board. I rub out the nine. I rub out the one. And then I might just say, I am safe. And I do my breathing. So, you know, that's a really nice one to do if you're just starting. You could just start simple with I am safe, you know, some particularly if you have anxiety, something like that. But, you know, doing a countdown like that keeps your mind. It, it can be very easy just to focus your mind when you do that, you know. Yeah, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Meditate with Laura on Instagram. She does a meditation course and I've, I've done it myself and she's a former yoga teacher. So she she knows all that kind of stuff. So if anyone's looking for a course, Meditate with Laura is an amazing course. Oh, brilliant. She, okay. She, she does it first thing in the morning. Um, right. At 7 a.m. It's like 15 minutes of meditation. But I think the big thing with meditation is most people think that their their, their negative thoughts aren't going to come in. It's like, no, they're going to come in. It's just whether you latch onto them or not. Yeah. And yeah, there's an amazing go. Exactly. And it's a, there's yeah. an amazing book uh, by Jay Shetty, uh, Think Like a Monk. Oh, and, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he talks about it. It's like, well, he's been, he does it for three hours a day, which is not what I would I'd recommend oh to advise <laughs> to start with. But he's like, still now the negative thoughts come in. It's like, well, my training yeah. has taught him to like latch onto or not latch onto those yeah. thoughts that kind of come in. Yeah. I know. It's a bit like, sorry, I, I just think it's a bit like, think of the negative thoughts or any thought that comes in, it's passing cloud. And yeah. just let the cloud pass and then just go back and, you know, gentle, be Jesus, be kind, be gentle to yourself. Women, we are, we are so hard on just ourselves. Be like, is the thing. Please, please just be kind to yourself. Yeah. If you treated yourself like you treat your best friend, then it would be fabulous. But we are harder on ourselves. So it's, you know, just be kind and gentle to yourself as you go through menopause, because it can be bumpy. But what we're trying to do is, you know, all of us that are having these conversations, we're trying to just make it that it's camera. It's a camera right that it's not as bumpy for people. Yeah. As asking for help and it's being yeah. able to say, yeah. right, I need help yeah. along the way. Asking your neighbor to do a little bit more of a carpool yeah. or asking yeah. your partner. Whatever yeah. it will be. Because yeah. I think as uh, from from coaching many, many women. They can try to take on everything without yeah. being able to. And, yeah. and it's an amazing thing yeah. and an amazing trait to have that you want to be the center point of your family or whatever. Mm. But at some point, your body's going to burn out. Mm. And then mm. the, that could mm. exacerbate things along the way. Yeah. The last. And Shane, sorry, just one thing on that, because I'm forever saying this. <laughs> and please, anyone listening, just listen to this. Multitasking is not your best friend in menopause. So ditch it quick. Do not multitask in menopause. It does not work. Dr. Lisa Moscone, who um, leads globally the research, um, I I know Lisa, she's an amazing, amazing woman. And, you know, she will reiterate this. Multitasking does not work. It It is doing nothing for your cognitive function and your brain health. It is adding and exasperating your stress. So please stop trying to do more than one thing at a time. Focus on one thing. I, I when I was in banking, you can imagine, Shane, geez, you're juggling balls the whole time. I religiously now, I will not multitask. I will focus on one thing 
at the, the same time because if I do multitask I will start getting stressed I will be like okay I'm doing this and you're calling but you're you're neither you're you're not at either one now definitely when you're cooking you know or something do you want to play music around the house and you know yes totally maybe you want to listen to a podcast but just remember you know just don't be trying to do two two big things at the one time it just doesn't work no and I think that's an amazing tool to uh, amazing thing to say. I know we're very, very tight for time, but I'm gonna ask you a quick, quick <laughs> yeah. fire question on alcohol to drink or not. Oh. Drink. That is the question. <laughs> quick fire. Oh my god. And he leaves me t- till the end for this. I was gonna go with the I was gonna go with the, the magnesium one or I was gonna go with the, the drink one. But so okay, but, well look, we can we can we can let's try and squeeze in both. Alcohol. Okay, look, yes, I they repeat people raising a gun now shoot me at this stage but i'm really sorry it's and it's 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 just not there's no nutrients in there there just isn't and the biggest thing i can say is look everything in moderation but a lot of women will say to me oh catherine i have a glass of wine i fall asleep I fall asleep quickly and i'll always say do you wake up later on during the night they're like oh yeah always there you go tom coleman i'm sure would completely echo you know, he will echo this, but, you know, um, and unfortunately with COVID chain, alcohol has become an even greater prop for many people, men and women. I think, look, you've got to be conscious. It exasperates hot flushes, night sweats, anxiety and brain fog. Okay. So if you're struggling with any of those symptoms, it's going to make it more challenging for you. If you've had a night where you've, you know, you've had, you know, one too many you are going to pay for it the next day. You are going to be a bit more anxious. You are going to experience more heightened brain fog. That's a fact. So honestly, um, look, I, I just, I, I see it. I see the impact it has. I would really encourage people just to be very, very mindful of their alcohol intake, please. Because, you know, it does put an extra toll on our liver. Our liver is doing phenomenal work through menopause and we make it do even harder work by putting excess alcohol in on top of it. So, you know, look, you have to be really, really mindful of it, you know. Yeah. Um, the the like, like, will we get the last question? In? Yes, magnesium. What are we going to ask? Uh, why, it's re- why is it referred to as nature's uh, spark, spark club? club. Yeah. Because... It's just, it is a spark, a spark plug. It does kick off so many processes within the body. Um, and I, I look, I, can, I discovered magnesium in my very early perimenopause years. I don't know who introduced me to, to Mag365, which is the form I live by. But I must say, whoever it is deserves a trophy at this stage because I have seen so many really positive results from women um, who yeah. started it. Now, sometimes you will find because it's such a readily fast absorbed form of magnesium into the body, it's ionic magnesium citrate. Sometimes some women will maybe cause a little bit of stomach upset. And then Prismag is a much better one that's easier, gentler on the stomach. But magnesium if you're magnesium deficiency, a lot of the symptoms can look very similar to the perimenopause symptoms. So this is why, you know, sometimes you'll find when um, people start taking magnesium, they can find they see improvement on sleep. They can see improvement maybe slightly on anxiety levels, on hot flushes and night sweats. 
Um, it's it's an all rounder. It's amazing for aches and pains. Um, it's just it's it's one of the essentials. Now, obviously, you can. There's a huge source of foods that you can get magnesium from, and nuts and seeds are just fabulous and green chocolate, leafy chocolate vegetables and chocolate. Well, dark dark, <laughs> dark chocolate, dark chocolate. Yeah. Dark chocolate. Um, but you know, so my what I do is like I eat a huge amount of foods with magnesium. So it's all about trying to get the balance right. So for me, it's always food first. But um, uh, then I do sup. It's one supplement that I do take because I know the benefit it, it has, and it it impacts. I think it's it's something like 300, 400 processes throughout the body. Um, so it's it's vitally important and. We don't get as much now through our our um, food sources as we used to because the soil has changed, the farming methods have changed. So maybe when we were younger, we might, our generation, well, I'm a lot older than you, Shane, but <laughs> when I was younger, I might have absorbed more through the food that I was eating. But today is very, very different. Our soil and the magnesium depletion that has occurred um, has impacted how we um, take you know, our, the amount that's coming through our, our foods. So it's a real essential to look at uh, when it comes to menopause. And yeah, I would say the MAG365 is a, is a fantastic one. Um, and I can send you links for, I can send you links for it as well. If yeah. you want. No, it, it is incredible. And I, I work, I, I work on a lot of the, the, the clients at all ages uh, that magnesium is normally recommended for, for them as mm-hmm. well. I think it was Lara mm-hmm. Bryden called the gold standard of supplement supplements yeah, for, for yeah, and stuff like yeah, that. So yeah. it, it it I've seen massive benefits. I think the the, the one big thing is like sleep can definitely yeah definitely yeah yeah, go down yeah, a lot. yeah, and if, yeah. You, if if anything helps your sleep. But if you're still scrolling on your phone just before you go oh. to bed, it's kind of like you may as well not be using the supplement. <laughs> no, can you leave the phone outside the bedroom, yeah. please? Yeah. Yeah, go back to the go back to the old fashioned alarm clock or look if you must have the phone in, put it on airplane mode and you know, my God, I mean, Tom would, Tom Coleman would, <laughs> would would rant on about this one. But, you know, you just can't be in bed and scrolling through your phone. That blue light is waking your brain up when we want it to be slowing down. Yeah. No, if anyone wants a sleep episode, listen to the episode with Tom Coleman. Like, there's so yeah, many Yeah, he's brilliant. And, there's so yeah, many tips yeah. on that episode. Yeah. Catherine, I cannot thank you enough for, for coming on. And sharing Not so. It was show. lovely. Lovely um, to talk to you. And thanks for having me on. Where can people find out about yourself? Where can people find out about um, the work with you and the exciting announcement that's happening in, am I allowed to say it? May? Yeah, yeah, in May, yes. Yeah. So wellnesswarrior.ie is my website. And um, on the 21st of May, I am woohoo, um, hosting <laughs> an in-person event people in the room the excitement of it in Cork on the 21st of May so I did a virtual summit in September which was a huge success so now um, back on the road um, as I was before but just bigger Uh, so we are holding a one-day event with um, leading um, national and global experts on menopause on the 21st of May in Cork so um, the tickets um, will be on sale for that very shortly. So again, you'll see the details on my website or menopausesuccesssummit.com is the website. Amazing. Uh, Catherine, I cannot thank you enough for, for doing that and doing the amazing work that you're doing. And if anyone thank wants you. to um, head over to give Catherine a follow on Instagram and check out if you want to go to the summit I'd highly recommend if you're in Ireland Cork is a nice weekend away. So I would highly recommend <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. going down to us. Catherine, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, not at all. Lovely to be chatting to you, Shane. Thank you. Thank you.